Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. This is episode number 58. Coincidentally, 58 is also the minimum wind speed needed to classify a thunderstorm as severe. Um, actually, on second thought, that's not really a coincidence of any kind. That is completely unrelated. Uh, to, uh, anyway, uh, we are the podcast about bad books, movies, and television. Today, we are talking about the middle third of The Overton Window by Glenn Beck. If you'd like to read along with us, you can do that by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. Go to that URL, sign up for a free trial, and you get an audiobook that you can keep even if you cancel your membership before it charges you any money. So go do that and use it for this book or a good one. Okay, now... Um, I should make a brief uh, announcement. We had, at the last second, Stephen had to drop out of today's show for personal reasons, but we found, I think, a decent replacement. So first, let me introduce the regular panel, and then I'll get to today's very special guest. Uh, first up, he dressed up as the founder of KFC to get into the UN General Assembly as a special guest. What a hilarious internet prank. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris. Hey, I do very little in this portion of the book. What's up? <laughs> You do, but I needed to come up with a fourth character because there's only two in this section. I know, it's kind of a stretch. Uh, okay, also joining us, um, he's made a lot of mistakes before, but he's just not going to make a mistake with you tonight. But he will sleep over and make you breakfast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Drew. If there's one rule that I'm going to follow, it's to not tease the panther, but I'll Don't try tease to the do panther. it as much as I can. <laughs> Is the panther his penis or him his whole his whole body? It's clearly the penis. Is it really? <laughs> he, he makes her promise not to do anything sexy, and then she does something kind of sexy, and he says, uh, You're playing with fire here, baby. Don't tease the panther. <laughs> and then proving that Glenn Beck doesn't know how to write people, she proceeds to ignore that like it wasn't the stupidest thing anyone's ever said to her. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess I shouldn't tease the panther. Uh, all right, anyway, uh, I'm your host, of course. My name is Alex. I make grenade launchers out of household items, but only for self-defense and for hunting. Yeah. All right, and, and today's special guest, without teasing any further, um, he snuck into his dad's office to help you save the world. Sitting in for Steven, who was sitting in for Ezra. It's Ezra! I think probably the, the, Paris, the person who seduced me the best ever would be Clinton, because uh, he was like a Svengali with chicks, and also <laughs> with dudes who like Clinton. <laughs> that was a very good joke, New Steven, and you haven't lost your uh, edge at all. Thank you. I, my voice might sound fat. I feel like I'm going to be the fat voice ranger now. Are you eating <laughs> a bunch of weight in Italy? Yeah. Do you have well, fat pants? Do you have to buy fat pants? I mean, my old pants were pretty baggy on me, so they're slightly less baggy now. See, that's exactly why you're smarter than Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> Before we talk about this book anymore or about Ezra's personal life anymore, we need Chris to summarize the book that we are reading. So, Chris, if you would, please, you have 45 seconds to summarize this section in the style of a founding father impersonator. You oh can my pick God. whichever founding father you want. <laughs> and preferably, this would be in a style of one of his less popular writings. Maybe a letter, maybe uh, some, something in a, in a memo or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. <clears throat> Dearest Elizabeth, 
I write you from the Commonwealth of Georgia to talk to you about goings-on in New York, which I have heard about. In this book that I've been reading, the direct account of events, I'm sure uh, Noah Gardner, just out of jail, gives, gives Molly and her mother a ride home in his very fancy horseless chariot. It's amazing. <laughs> After that, Molly sleeps over but does not indeed tease the panther. <laughs> Secondarily, she persuades him to conduct corporate espionage on his own company. Interesting. Apparently, the PR firm is going to rule the government one day, not what you and I had discussed in our letters before and in the founding documents of this country. Well, <laughs> interestingly enough, they go and they find, Molly and Noah, that everything is the worst case scenario. The PR firm is indeed evil, or Molly thinks so. Then, she invites him back to her hammock, drugs him, and takes him away. <laughs> I, I really, I believed you the whole time, except when you said, interestingly enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's get right into it with a compliment sandwich. Um, Drew, I guess you're still technically our guest, so would you like to go first or last in the compliment round? Uh, I can go last this time. Last it is. Well, Ezra, you have no choice. New Steven, it is your turn to go. Okay. Um, well, I think I got a pretty good one. This book warned me about one of the major, uh, I guess, problems with being in jail is, is that when you get out of jail you have jail funk all over you <laughs> um, it's not a pressing need exactly because you get to you know eat chicken and waffles first yeah but but afterwards you definitely need to get rid of that jail funk glenn beck never bothered to explain what jail funk smelled like just assuming that everyone could relate i mean what was the <laughs> consistency of the jail funk also that's what i'm curious about maybe Maybe it wasn't like a smell. Maybe jail funk was a, is a type of music. <laughs> <laughs> I got jail funk all over me. I got to mashed potato it out. <laughs> Get out of jail. Get out of jail now. <laughs> all right. Uh, it is Chris. It's your turn to go second. Yeah. Uh, my compliment is about how genuinely creepy the character of Hollis is. Hollis is the big mountain man guy with the high voice, and he sneaks up on Noah at one point, and Noah's like, oh, God, where'd you come from? He's like, I guess I just like to walk around all quiet-like. And the next <laughs> thing you see, Hollis is busy making bullets. <laughs> yes. He's like, about how many of those could you make, Hollis? Oh, about 75 to 200 an hour, depending on my motivation. But the truly, truly creepy thing is that he appears out of nowhere and says, Noah? Do you like cookies? <laughs> <laughs> that was such a great moment because um, the, the question was, Hollis, why would you make your own ammunition? And, and Hollis' answer was, Noah, do you like cookies? And which was really, really clear because, oh, because you're fucking crazy. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come back to that moment a little bit later yeah, in, me the, too. in the show, I think. Uh, yeah, good. me too. Okay, good. good. All right, so I guess I'll go third for my compliment since obviously the... Uh, don't tease the panther line has gotten taken. Yeah, that was my <laughs> first compliment too. I got to go to my <laughs> good. I got to fall into my my backup compliments. I like at one point they tip a cab driver to drive the legal speed limit to where they're going. 
Yeah. And I know you can tip a, a, a cab driver to drive like slowly around the block and you can tip them to like follow that car and to go faster. I love that there are people that you can tip to do any variation of their job. Like <laughs> you could get in a cab and be like, hey, cabbie, I want you to steal a horse and get me home that way. Here's a tenner. And they'll probably do it. I like the idea of tipping someone to do the, the normal thing. You're like, hey, hey, bellhop, <laughs> take my bags, handle them in the way you would normally handle them. Thank you. Here's an extra $10. <laughs> Don't do anything different. <laughs> yeah, I like that as well. So there, there you go. Um, all right, that makes it, Drew, it's, it, it, the end has come. It is now your turn to compliment. Uh, all right, well, um, I think my, one of my favorite parts of the book was uh, the beginning of Chapter 16. It was like, I think they had already started Part 2 of the book, and they had gone through this whole separate issue that I still don't understand what was going on. Uh, but then they go back to Noah and Molly, and it begins with Chapter 16, Bacon, and then there's a, solid, <laughs> there's a solid paragraph or two just about bacon. Like, and it's it's almost like Glenn Beck. One was very hungry when he wrote it, or <laughs> he had been reading the internet and he goes, "Oh, people seem to like bacon these days. I know how I'll reach people." And then he just wrote for paragraphs about bacon. <laughs> Also, the way you read the way you read that line just now, where you were like, "Chapter fifteen, bacon," sounded a lot like your compliment for uh, dedication, faith. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I like to think that maybe that was that would have been another dedication if you had time to do it over. It'd be like dedication, <laughs> faith, and bacon. Yeah. <laughs> and if he had bacon, he would have to like drill down because with faith, then he said like faith, and then he named someone, and he just go yeah yeah bacon. Hormel. compliments out of the way uh, it is time for our hate segment so today we're gonna play hato polo uh your hates are gonna be hidden somewhere in a swimming pool and they're not allowed to leave uh and we uh, but they have to respond polo every time you yell hato at them uh that's what we're gonna do cool cool <laughs> cool, cool i got a fish out of water to call um, oh good yeah that's what it was i there was a word for that yeah, yeah, yeah um so this is uh for for not researching the book well enough I mean, I'm sure people will pick apart this book for factual inaccuracies. I think the worst one, though, I'm pretty sure, is um, the place where they go to get the, the chicken and waffles is a real place, all right? and you can't actually order the Reverend Al Sharpton. Um, oh, good. But here's the problem. It comes either fried or smothered. You have to specify, all right? Just saying <laughs> Reverend Al Sharpton does not mean that you necessarily get fried chicken. You could get smothered chicken. So <laughs> they have to... <laughs> You have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Even from your remote, undisclosed location in, uh, in, in Luxembourg, you still have the internet. You know what? Glenn Beck had the internet, too. This is totally his fault. <laughs> <laughs> you looked I'm that up on Yelp. I'm you didn't get around to hating this, Drew, because you knew everything that was wrong from the New York perspective. Well, you know, the thing is, is uh, that place does exist. Like, I, I, I looked it up on Yelp and several other ways on the internet that I have. You know, Google and Yahoo, and wow. uh, yeah, I use Yahoo. Search engines. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. Oh, you're sorry. Well, 3%? I'm, I haven't jumped on the Bing bandwagon yet, Chris. This is super fun. <laughs> All right, uh, other hates from people. Uh, 
No, I actually on. like this book. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I got one um, that uh, I, I think that this novel does an injustice to grocery store thriller novels. Uh, and it, it, <laughs> so I guess this would just be in the deep end of the pool, maybe, and I'm slowly drowning uh, while screaming Marco. <laughs> um, well, it was a dangerous game. I didn't realize that. Oh, it's a very dangerous game. Uh, my, my main problem with it is that like their massive plan is that they're going to take control of the economy. And it's like, I've never read something like this since William Jennings, Bryan, amazing, the silver standard from 1890, <laughs> like at which point the economy was such a major point of, of thrillers. Like this is not like, I, I don't want to watch or read the born, you know, the born economic collapse and have like Jason Bourne. <laughs> The Born Depression C. Yeah, the Born Depression C would be great. Him r- running through Wall Street, like jumping through things, like it makes the, the, it's so silly was, to me. It was like, and it was like the vaguest conspiracy ever to destroy the economy. It, like they had a list at one point of achievable goals that included consolidate all media assets behind core concepts of new internationalism. So step one on their crazy evil conspiracy is we're going to try to make the TV channels be nice to people who live abroad. Oh, no. <laughs> I would say this is the worst end of the world plan since since Left Behind. Because, like, this whole, like, like weaken the dollar and go to, like, a, another currency. Like, why do people care about this so much? Like, it was in Left Behind also. They're, like, the one unified currency yeah. thing. Yeah, well, it's because it's because we have people on our bills. And if we have a world currency, it might be, you know, like a bird if the Canadians get their way or... Colorful bullshit currency. Wait, I'm just on. saying. I have some currency in my wallet. Let me, let me look at this right now. Globetrotter Ezra. Yeah. Okay. It's got a bridge, <laughs> a bridge on one side, and it looks like uh, an upside down hat on the other side. Who the fuck do they think they are? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I, I have a. I have a, another big hate that uh, that this is very. This is a silly, silly hate. So we'll put this one in the shallow end where people are just splashing. Where it's safe. <laughs> yeah, where they're safe. Um, the entire romantic scene that happened at the end of this section, like not the, not the Panther scene, but the one that's (laughs) held, that's the one that's held in her apartment. The entire romantic scene is taking place in a fucking hammock. Yeah, actually, (laughs) I I have a clip of that. Okay. And Molly patted with one hand. Oh no, he said. I've lived 28 years without trying to those. You over here with me. She held out her hands to him, beckoning. I just want to forget about everything else for a little while, okay? Come here now. (laughs) It would have been hard to say no to that, and he didn't try. With her guidance, he sat next to her on the precarious... (laughs) Now we just hold on, Molly said. Let your feet come off the floor and lie down. He followed her lead as she leaned back, and from there it was a touch-and-go funhouse ride for quite a few wobbly seconds. (laughs) <laughs> Amid the swinging and shifting and overbalancing and a great deal of welcome laughter, things gradually settled down into a fragile stability. In the end, they found themselves pleasantly entwined with one another. <laughs> Chris, excellently done. Very well. Oh, done. Yeah, well yeah, done, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys notice that? Um, well, I'm sure you did. At, so at this like loft apartment in Tompkins, Tompkins Square Park, this huge loft apartment where they all like you know it's kind of a safe house for this. Uh, what do they call it? The uh, founders keepers. Yeah. 
Yeah. It turns out that the Founders Keepers are a bunch of people who've memorized speeches and sit around speechifying to each other as though they are the Founding Fathers. Seriously, Founders Keepers is fucking Chautauqua. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like radical political activity. What? <laughs> this is well, what we're afraid of? Chautauqua? What? What I don't understand is that we're combining the talking of giving speeches with the gun guy. Yeah. With the homemade bombs guy. Like, doesn't this seem like two very different kinds of crazy? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Chris, it is, it's a big tent. That's the thing. Yeah. If Hollis is sitting there fashioning bullets and going, four score and seven years ago, like, he's making bullets, that's like horrifying. At one point, uh, Molly is saying how everyone's pretty much already forgotten all the history that's happened. And she, she yeah. cites this moment that um, if you ask a 30 year old about World War II, he'll just recite from Saving Private Ryan. What she neglects to say is one, it was totally a good movie. And two, it was pretty <laughs> accurate. <laughs> Tom yeah. Hanks totally did die. I know. Oh, spoiler alert. Jeez. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and actually, they, you know, they're like, yeah, George Washington didn't chop down a cherry tree. He didn't have wooden teeth, blah, blah, blah. So then I went on Wikipedia and I found out that George Washington, throughout his most of his adult life, was on laudanum. What? <laughs> yeah. This is the guy we want to be quoting? This is the yeah. guy? <laughs> That, but but did he have wooden teeth or not? No, they were like porcelain. They were like hippo and elephant ivory and stuff. But like, seriously, those those kindergartners have been lied to. <laughs> yeah, you want to know why it looks like he's in a great deal of pain and taking just enough opiates to get by on the currency? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, um, so this this reminds me of, actually gets me to my next segment that I wanted to do. Uh, this this segment is called More Things Glenn Beck Doesn't Understand. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> we started this off last week with a pretty powerful list, including things like uh, the internet. And this week we have a, we have a bunch more because he keeps on not understanding how things work. In fact, I'm going to start out just to give you an example. I'm going to use the thing that Ezra was just talking about a moment ago. In that same sentence, what he said, the, the sentence that you were just talking about is this. Um, and it proves that he doesn't understand what childhood means. He's saying that the, the founding fathers have disappeared from history. And he says, ask an elementary school kid what they know about George Washington. And it's more likely you'll hear lies about him, like the cherry tree story, than why he was our founding father. Okay, ask a an elementary school kid what they know about physics. Not that much, right? Right? Yeah. No. That does not mean physics has been lost to humankind. <laughs> there are only so many things you tell a child you don't take a first grader and say okay he didn't chop down a cherry tree he was our founding father and he was fucked up on opiates the whole time yeah no no no, no alex you're dead wrong look i asked a four-year-old what he knew about sex all right he told me some bullshit about storks all right we are lying to our kids <laughs> left and right <laughs> all knowledge of how to reproduce has been lost from humankind because we've been telling our lies to our kids that's proof i don't know how to yeah. do it do you know how to do it no no, no one does. I, I, asked, I asked a kindergarten class about string theory, and they just showed me their shoes. <laughs> Someone has been lying to these kids. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so Glenn Beck does not understand 
how childhood and brain development works. So Glenn Beck doesn't know how bread works. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when they're when he's driving the, the Molly and her mom back home in the super limo, and he wants to give them you know some refreshment after all that jail funk has been all over them. Uh, he he opens up a compartment and there's some warm moist towels. This is nice, but Glenn then says, "Kept constantly warm and moist, like fresh dinner rolls. Dinner <laughs> rolls are not moist. They are not soggy like a Turkish hand towel. If they were, I would not enjoy them." Also, dinner rolls are not kept constantly moist. They dry <laughs> yeah. out very quickly if you they leave do. them up. They're not like in some sort of hydroponic like dinner roll growing machine. I mean... This... <laughs> Glenn Beck has never eaten a, a dinner roll. No, not once. Glenn, Glenn Beck does not understand the cardinal directions. Um, <laughs> so at one point um, when uh, Molly's trying very hard not to tease the panther, all right, she's wearing... Um, <laughs> She's wearing some of she's wearing some of Noah's boxers, and uh, Beck describes it as uh, so like her her taut smooth waist above the northern border of a lucky pair of his own navy boxers. All right, mm. north is not up. No, it's not. That's a different thing entirely. That's as far as I know, there are there's no north on a woman. <laughs> I mean, there can be depending which way she's oriented, but we. <laughs> It's never going to be straight up. So let me figure this out. So if you took a woman, yeah, and you put a large magnet on her, in a, like in a hat on her head, yeah, and put her on a giant cork in in some water, with you so far, then everything above the boxers would always be north. Ooh, right, because she she'd bob and spin, so that it would always be that. So that must be what's going on with this girl. She must be wearing a magnet hat and, and laying on, floating in water. And that's really teasing the panther. Like that just makes the panther go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the panther hates quarks. Panther hates quarks. Glenn Beck also does not understand how writing on paper works. Yep. So, so uh, at one point he's uh, talking. He reads this uh, this stupid poem from uh, the Jungle Book guy. Kipling. That no one. Yeah, that no one's ever heard of for a good reason. Um. Anyway, and like he, so he's got the last stanza of this written from a fifth grade writing exercise, and he says. I only wrote the last stanza because that's all I could fit on the page. Um, implying that he had to start at the bottom of the page with the last <laughs> word of the poem and write it up backwards? No, you have to write south to north. That's the thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> I got one that Glenn Beck doesn't understand. All right. Um, yeah. Glenn Beck does not understand secrets. <laughs> and I say this. Because of that, uh, that, that secret way to get up to the, up to the building, uh, up to the office, is that secret elevator. Mm -hmm. um, and he goes, no one will know. It's just you have to walk through this store wearing a business suit and holding your ID above your head. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Nobody in the deli is going to notice the guy holding a badge above his head and going uh, to the secret door. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, that's the way to do it. Glenn Beck also clearly, this is related, does not understand how secret um, meetings work. So they need to figure out, who, they were trying to figure out who was in this super secret meeting. And, and Molly says, I know, because I work in the mailroom, and I got the list of names off the catering order. What? If you're having a secret meeting catered, you should probably not give the caterer all of the names of the people involved in the meeting. Just say, 
12 chicken and three beef. That's all you have to say. Yeah. yeah. This one is from Don Rumsfeld. He doesn't like chives. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't think you need to go to that. Bin Laden will be eating here, so make sure to get him a kosher meal. I, you don't, like, don't say that. Bin Laden eats kosher. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it, it was like high level chicken and beef. You had to like be cleared in order to chew it. So they had to like check like security <laughs> levels for everyone. His ID number has to be next to the uh, next to every order. Yeah, right. Otherwise, yeah, like, right. You're like, oh, sorry, you're only cleared to eat salad here. We don't trust you with anything liquid. <laughs> yeah, uh, you might spill. Make sure, yeah, make sure you make this chicken out to social security number nine nine Glenn Beck clearly does not understand what the word patsy means. Uh, I'll give you guys a hint in case you didn't know. A patsy is, according to Merriam-Webster's, a person who is easily manipulated or victimized. Um, so now let's apply that definition to the way Beck used it. Quote, in fact, Enron was really just a huge diversion, like a Bernie Madoff, a patsy to throw to the wolves. Hold on. I think I got this. I think he was a typo. I think he meant pastry. A pastry <laughs> for the wolves. Because <laughs> wolves would love that. Seriously, they can't get enough scones. Oh. <laughs> um, on, on your wolves thing, I got um, Glenn Beck clearly does not understand animal husbandry. Um, <laughs> quote, they're like sheep, lost without a threat of force to guide them. Okay, it's a shepherd's crook, not like a shepherd, shepherd's like machete or like a shepherd's <laughs> you know, AK-47. You know, you can't do a lot of damage with a crook. I'm just going to put it, it out there. It, it also, I love that it's it's not force. It's the threat of force. It's like the shepherd just has to flash his piece at the sheep, and then they'll, like, get in line and do whatever he wants. Yeah, he's like, be cool, sheep, be cool. I'm not going to use it, but don't don't make me. <laughs> hey, I had to I had to pay $1,000 and wait a year to get this piece registered here, all right? This is... <laughs> oh, uh, here's, Glenn Beck doesn't understand. Uh, he... This is going to be controversial, by the way. If Glenn Beck hears this one, he's going to flip the shit out. Uh, what makes people think usually is. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Glenn Beck, he does not understand the Founding Fathers. And here's what I'm going to say about that. Not just about the Founding Fathers, but he'll also, within a two-sentence span, say, they don't even let us know about the Founding Fathers. And then he'll start talking about Ronald Reagan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost immediately. And it makes me think that he believes the Founding Fathers were John Adams, John Hancock, George Washington, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, and World War II. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what else Glenn Beck doesn't understand? <clears throat> Fast food. Yes. Because um, at one point, right, um, at one point, Hollis is saying how, how the thing about, you know, store-bought cookies that makes them so terrible is that they're, the, the dry, dusty little nuggets that you get out of a box in one of those drive through restaurants. I think he's thinking of Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> <laughs> These cookies are chickeny tasting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it makes sense why you want to make your own cookies if you always confuse what chicken nuggets and cookies are. Like, yes, you probably should not be ordering those. I, I, gotta, I gotta say, while we're talking about this moment, because this is all, he also does not understand how factories work. Because this is the thing we mentioned earlier. Hollis is making bullets for his gun collection, and no one doesn't understand why. So Hollis says, it's just like, you like cookies, right? 
And then here's his key analogy. Uh, do you prefer dry, dusty cookies from McDonald's or homemade cookies? Well, that's the same thing with shotgun cartridges. I don't like dry, dusty cookies any more than anybody else does, but would you prefer a box of dry, dusty Ferraris or one your grandmother lovingly made for you? <laughs> Look, do you want your, your dry, dusty porn that you just get from the store, or do you want your own homemade porn? Clearly. Okay. <laughs> I, there are certain instances where homemade things are, are better, but I would not want fresh, uh, lovingly prepared porn from my grandmother. Alex, do you want your dry, dusty penicillin that you got from the store, or do you want your own <laughs> homemade penicillin? <laughs> oh my god, store penicillin. Store penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more before we can move on. Uh, okay, good. Glenn Beck clearly does not understand uh, FBI training because he thinks that it's adequate for undercover work to have posed as Colonel Sanders once. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, anyone who's had at least one Halloween under their belt could also be an FBI agent. (laughs) If the only skill he has demonstrated heretofore is his ability to own a Colonel Sanders costume, I mean, obviously they're going to make him use his skill, right? He's going to have to be Colonel Sanders for every (laughs) FBI mission he goes on. Be like... In other news today, FBI agent Sanders kicked out the door at this drug ring. This, this is actually my, my, my no retreat, no surrender for Agent Colonel Sanders. As uh, so, how's the? You're, you're, you finished your honeymoon and you're you're safely in the Czech Republic now, right? Pretty much around there, yes. <laughs> well, how is it? Is it? Are you having trouble getting settled down? I mean, the first I won't lie, the first day or so was was kind of rough. Um, what happened? Oh uh, well, it was some kind of train mishap. Uh, I was uh, getting on a train because trains are really big here, you know. It's mm-hmm. and I wasn't really sure where the platform was, so I just got run over by the train. What? Yeah. No, I, I got run over by the train. Um, like, um, like my two of my legs came off. Both both of my legs came off. You got cut in half by a train wheel? Um, I guess when you put it that way, yeah, that is what happened. Um, were you listening to any kind of audiobook or anything? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I was. I was listening to, uh, it was A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, so you're okay? I'm fine. Duh. You got <laughs> well, run over by a train. Yeah, yeah, but but the audiobook I was listening to reverse time um, to the moment before I got run over by a train, and then it just physically held me in place uh, so I didn't uh, get hit. It's pretty simple. Audiblepodcast.com slash read and weep, where... Audiobooks will stop time and save your life and then somehow warn you. Seriously, Ezra, I have no idea what's going on. So now I have another quick, one more quick segment. Um, 
This one's called When God Closes a Door, He Opens an Overton Window. Um, okay, the titular item of this book, the Overton Window, is an obscure reference to like a 1960s think tank where you figure out what the socially acceptable limits of an of a thing are and then you so that's how you and you use that to find what would possibly work as a policy by first labeling the extremes which is stupid and totally dumb in the book but is actually kind of fun as a life pursuit so for this segment i'm going to come up with topics and we're going to have to create the extreme overton window areas of a given situation sound good yeah yeah yeah. So I'll give you an example of what like one of these might be. So for example, uh, my Overton window of Glenn Beck's The Overton Window would be option one, um, take lots of writing classes, workshop your book with everybody who knows how to write, go through a lot of drafts, spend a lot of time trying to be a writer, um, so much time so that you can't keep your TV show going and then you die poor and alone like a real novelist. Option two is release The Overton Window. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, respect for our founding fathers. What's the Overton window of that? Uh, on one hand, who? And mm-hmm. on the other hand, um, I just jerked off to Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you mean the Overton window? Yes, yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> All right, something, something totally different. Um... Uh, anybody here? Uh, reality TV shows, trying to make them more enjoyable. On, on one end, you have uh, just a, a thing that's looking at good time values, uh, inside of the family type thing, and on the other end, it's just a show called Boobs, Boobs, Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. All right. I, I, for, so for reality shows, what I was thinking was like if you if you had to make a reality show more interesting, uh, that on one side it would be. Drew's boobs, 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 and it would just be like a lot of people who really like each other. And the other side would be like actually killing the participants, like a some sort of combination between American Idol and Deadliest Catch. Wait, Deadliest Idol or or Americanist Catch? Which? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Deadliest Idol would be great. You just put a bunch of like you know <laughs> aspiring singers on a boat in choppy weather and see what happens. Yeah, you're like you have to sing while those waves are pitching and you're moving all like anyway. There's a good chance you'll die. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, one person will die every week until we get down to the final. Until we get the last person, and that person gets a record contract. Like, yo, dog, I don't know, but for me, it was a little drowny. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, so let me ask you guys a question. Overton window. If you were, if there was an Overton window of the friendliness of animals, and Space Shark was on one end, oh, he's what is on the other end? Well, Space Shark is a friend to all. Okay, so clearly... No, he's a ruthless killer. I mean, he's not efficient. It's the thing. <laughs> Whoa, guys, this might be... The Overton window might be Space Shark on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> he's a friend to all, all but he'll kill you. <laughs> Uh, all right, excellent. So it's time for our final compliment, the other half of our compliment sandwich. We go in reverse order from the first compliments. So uh, that means it is Drew's turn. He can't avoid responsibility this time. Drew, yes. what is your minor compliment? All right, my uh, my, my final compliment uh, for this is going to be um, 
about the naming of the books that that Hollis has <laughs> that his like uncle or or was it uncle or grandfather wrote. Uh, uncle. It was his uncle, right? One of the books I can't remember all of them because I don't have the actual book in front of me. But the one that I wrote down, which is my favorite, is a book called Man Trapping. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the, I love I love that Glenn Beck actually created the title of this fictional book called Man Trapping. It totally sounds like next month's selection on like the Tyra Banks book club. It sounds like something we'd have to read. It does. It does. But except for except for when we have to read it, we wouldn't be fashioning our own cookie bullets uh, and <laughs> have to use those to kill things. Oh, cookie bullets. Oh, I didn't even think of cookie bullets. That's an interesting idea. And it would dissolve inside his body like an ice bullet so you didn't leave no trace. The <laughs> problem is crumbs. people would be making Only them with chicken crumbs. nuggets and then you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's has been weaponizing the chicken for a long time. <laughs> the uh, the Overton window on, on bullets, by the way, on one end, on the good end, cookie bullets, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. On the other end, yep. actual bullets. <laughs> oh man, I want a cookie bullet right now. Oh. I want to shoot myself in the face oh. <laughs> with a cookie bullet. All right, uh, that makes it my turn going backwards. So um, at one point, Molly gets out of Noah's bed after they've ha- spent the night not having sex. <laughs> that and... she knows of. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, okay, Chris. Wow, you are <laughs> you are you are a stealth lover. Hey, that panther's <laughs> got a mind of its own, man. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why I don't think that he actually slept with her. Because when she gets out of bed, Glenn Beck says um, that she left an alluring girl-shaped indent in the sheets. Uh, which, first of all, she must be huge to leave yeah. permanent indents in the sheets. Um, and second of all, I believe they didn't have sex because he is so horny. He's ready to fuck a, a pattern in the sheets. Uh, <laughs> yep. He'll fuck an indent if it looks enough like a girl. Yeah. You know, Alex, that I don't is... want to correct you, but actually the first thing that he says, Glenn Beck says when uh, she gets out of the sheets is bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking right. of good writing, my compliment uh, is how <laughs> Glenn Beck just, uh, you know, he makes it obvious that Molly is the kind of girl that we should all desire to, to, to be. When Molly says... There is nothing I wouldn't give up to defend my country. No matter how hard it might be, there is nothing in my power that I wouldn't do. She's, you know, once again continuing on the trend of being forthright. Um, right. She, <laughs> you know, Glenn Beck, in his writing, subtly lets us know her political message of defensive. Actually, I, I do admire that in her because, like, I won't even give up chocolate for Lent, let alone for my country. Yeah. She's obviously given up sleeping on a comfortable bed. That's impressive. That is yeah. impressive. She does leave seductive uh, indents in her hammock. That's a thing that she I... actually does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, yeah. Ezra, that is your turn. Uh, new Steven, thank you for being here, and uh, please give us your final compliment. Okay. Um, I, I always like it when I see some, uh, some authors hating on themselves, whether, whether uh, intentionally or unintentionally, and I think uh, Glenn Beck really, really calls out Glenn Beck on this one. All right, so um, <laughs> a quote from Noah. I'm saying opportunists can attach themselves to our hopes and fears about the, those things for profit. And this is one of the tools they use to do that. Um, this is a book pretty much preying on the hopes and fears of Americans. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> and if Glenn Beck doesn't realize that he's made all of his money off of preying on the hopes and fears of Americans, he is an idiot. And if he does uh, realize it, I guess he hates himself a little bit. And so we have something in common. Ha 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 
well, now this is time for my absolutely favorite segment. You'll excuse us, guests, but Chris and I and Ezra, the three of us are going to answer some listener mail. So, Chris, why don't you read us the first question? Okay, uh, Ralu asks, do people frequently ask to be on your show? And do you accept just anyone? Because I have a lot of hate for Breaking Dawn, and I'm positive I can be funny while hating on it. So when you guys get around to that awful, awful abomination, could I be the fourth person to hate on it? Pretty please. Um, also, I'm asking now because I'm sure there are loads of people just waiting to get into the final hate of the Twilight series. I love the idea that we might have like a, like a set number of like guests and like people are really like stoked to get in on the hate. Um, I mean, this is really interesting. I mean, this is kind of an interesting question to take seriously. Um, I mean, we haven't really tackled the issue of having guests or sorry, having fans on as guests. Um, so yeah. far, everybody who's been on the show, everybody with a few exceptions, have done professional comedy with Ezra or I. We pick from kind of a small pool already. Yeah. But the one person we had on the show who wasn't a comedian did great, but was so self-conscious about it the whole time that it was really like I felt a lot of responsibility to her to make sure that it came out really well. So, you know, the short answer is no. Yeah, uh, the answer but, is probably but we, we're not going to have a, a person be the, an entire chair. Well, I don't know. If, is that really the answer? I mean, we definitely are going to have – I want to have more little inputs from people. Yeah, we would probably uh, – there'd probably be several stages of auditions, I guess, in one way or another. As in, like, you know, we'd probably ask for some uh, for some small segments like the John Gall speeches, if they were funny, we might ask for more and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, we're always looking for ways to get more of you on the show, but not as a full guest. Yeah. So yes. far. Yeah. Yes. You know, keep contributing to the Facebook page and, you know, when we have call-in stuff and uh, lightning strike, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this could be your big break. That's and then awesome. maybe we'll have a big break. <laughs> and maybe we'll actually have a big break. Uh, if you have any other questions for us, infrequently or frequently asked, uh, put them on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash weep, and we'll try to answer them in one of these segments. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. That is the end of our show. We really appreciate having you all here, especially we appreciate Drew. Thank you for guesting with us today. Thanks for having me. Chris, thanks as always for never leaving. Yeah, I'll be here. You're reliable. And uh, Ezra, thank you so much for filling in on such short notice for yourself. We really appreciate that. Yeah, I hope I did Stephen doing me proud. Proud. Are you back for good, Ezra? Is this, is this the return of you to the show? We will have you on again next week and then for a while, right? While you're, while you're exploring uh, the savannah? Yeah, that's pretty much where I am. Drew, mention your website again. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, you guys should, everyone should go visit uh, drewjohnston.com. Uh, D-R-U, because my name is funny. Johnston.com. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, and um, uh, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Or if you want to check out an old relic of what I've done, go to theyearoftheblog.com to see some horrible, horrible blogs and also some decent ones. I really, yeah, Cotter Not was great. Caught or not, yeah, that was that one was uh, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a cot? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that's it, everybody. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Goodbye. Da-da. Da-da. Da-da.
Space Shark! <laughs> oh, that was the sound of Space Shark! Oh, I got it!